Oaths Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Hello, friends and listeners. Welcome to a new episode of the Thoth Hermes podcast. Today is Sunday, as always, when we launch a new episode. It is Sunday, May the 17th, 2020. And this is, believe it or not, already episode 20 of the Thoth Hermes podcast's season 4. After this show, there will be four more episodes before this season will come to an end and, of course, will be followed by season five starting then in July. Right, today's guest on our show is German occult artist and occultist Hagen von Tullien and the title of today's show is, by consequence, Arts and the Occult. More about that a little later. It is my great pleasure to have you back here today. And I hope you enjoyed last week because last week was a very special week on the Thought Hermes podcast. We did not only launch our great show on Sunday with Rachel Pollack, the big tarot specialist that we had here for our interview. But we also had intermediately a special episode, a real treat with David Beth, who after his episode 11 with us here, where he was my interview guest, we received so many questions for him that we decided to do a question and answer special episode. And that was launched three days ago only on Thursday this week. So if you haven't heard that yet, go back, but go back and listen to both of them, to Rachel Pollack, if you haven't done so, and of course to David. And if you haven't heard the initial episode by David, it might be a good idea to listen to that episode 11 first before you go to the question and answer episode. Right, talking about former episodes, you know that you can find them all on all your favorite uh, podcast outlets, of course, but also and foremost on the Thoth Hermes website, which is on www.thothhermes.com. That is T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S dot com. And while you're there, why not let leave me also some feedback? You have a contact form on the site. You can even leave me some voicemail for free there or you'll just send an ordinary email to info at thoughthermes.com. You will find us also on Twitter and Facebook and that's also a good possibility to send me feedback or ideas or criticism or 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 whatever comes to your mind. 
Want to remind you also that you should let me know if you are a musician who is producing his or her genuine music and would like to see that played on the show. You know that I always put two uh, music pieces on this show and it would be great to play just your music next time. What do you think? Several of those listeners have already done so. Several musical pieces by them have already been played here and presented so what a great opportunity right and i would also like to thank all of you who have recently become patrons of this show there have been several we are beyond 30 patrons now we started at eight two months ago so that's quite an improvement and today is a big day again because for the second time only and uh, is that we have a real special part just for patrons because patrons as you might know are allowed to send in their questions for our guests when i announce them and patrons know a week ahead who will be our guest so then this these answers will go only to the patrons um, so to speak this episode which will be sent to patrons only is about 15 minutes longer than this regular episode interested well go on patreon.com look for the thoth hermes podcast there or just go again to the thoth hermes website thothhermes.com you'll find a patreon button there go there click there subscribe become a supporter this will be much appreciated and needed i must say um we have 2,500 listeners each week, which is great. And it's still increasing every week. And it would be nice if we had a few more of you who would become patrons. And once again, thanks to all of you who have already done so. If you don't want to become a patron as such, but just want to make one off donation of whatever amount you'd like, um, you can also do that on the website. Click on the donate button and you will be brought to the right place. Okay, well, as I just said, each time in each show, we also perform music, three pieces each time. And today it's once again uh, a piece of music which has some context to our guest today. Hagen, as you will find out in the interview, is uh, very well versed uh, occultist and ritualist and in his rituals he uses of course also sound and music he has himself produced music for uh, some of those rituals um, also this one that we are going to hear now as the first piece today is related to the cult of Saturn and that he is um, that he is presiding that he has created it's called cultus Saturni. it's resides in germany and the piece is called black gnosis and references several intercultural aspects of that cult and um, you can also buy that piece of music for your own and personal rituals you'll find all the information in the show notes on the website if you're interested because it's a very special piece of music you're going to hear that in a moment right so i hope you will have fun with what's coming now today and we start right away with black noses before that let me just tell you that the other two pieces of music of today are again by 
a returning musician guest, Frater F. Frater F. from Sweden, who has been seen his music performed on this show several times already. Two new pieces here today. And just for your information, we'll have Frater F. in the next Ex Libris show in two weeks as our guest. So he can not only play us his music, but he will tell us all about it. Okay, back to Hagen and Black Gnosis now. Enjoy. Chaos. 
Black Gnosis, a music for accompanying the ritual of the Cultus Saturni and any other ritual that you feel it would be adapted to. It's been conceived by our guest today, Hagen von Tullien, and you can also find that on the Totalmeris website with a link to where you can buy that piece of music in a wonderful edition with wonderful artwork also by our guest Hagen. And well, this is the perfect transition to welcoming Hagen von Tullien on our show today. Um, Hagen is working in a variety of media, including pen and ink, paper cut collage and digital formats. But uh, it's not only the arts, well, only, why am I saying only, but it's not the arts alone that define him and define him also as a kind of occultist, but also his intense uh, practice and theory in the magical world. He has specialized in creating art as an expression and manifestation of magical states. He was a key figure in what was called the magical package of the Illuminates of Tanateros. In the 90s, he was even the head of the section for Germany at the time. He is a master initiate of the Fraternitas Saturni, and he is an empowered adept of the Voodoo Gnostic Current, which we have heard about a bit also a few weeks ago by somebody else. So he is really... Uh, highly important figure internationally, but especially also in the German-speaking world of the uh, magical and occult movements. And uh, he will hear it. He has the most lovely German accent. Well, who am I to say that? But it, it was just lovely to hear it. Right. And but much more important than that little accent is what he had to say. And it was highly interesting. We had a lovely hour together in, uh, and uh, we were able to discuss a lot of topics, his life, his background, what brought it all together and what does his art and his occult work mean to him today. So let's go to the lovely city of Berlin and meet Hagen von Tullien. And as always, as you know, after about 30, 35 minutes, we will return and we will play you another piece of music by Frater Efden. And uh, so now I am saying hello to Hagen von Tullien. Here comes the interview. And today I have the pleasure to welcome here on the Thoth Hermes podcast, my guest Hagen Fotulian, who is speaking to us from Berlin, from his city of Berlin. And it's a great pleasure to have you here today, Hagen. Good evening. Hello. How are you? Hello, Rudolf. Uh, very nice to be here with you on this very, very good and excellent podcast. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you. Oh, evening. thank you. That's very kind. Well, we already had you once in a very short, very short talk. You were part, I may say, of the great O-Culture conference last year in Berlin, where we as a podcast were present with a report and uh, Ursula there took a little time with you and you spoke, uh, gave a few, a few hints uh, from what you were doing there. But uh, that also that, but not only that, inspired me, of course, to have you finally here also as a guest in an interview, in a full time interview. And the 
let's say the exceptional one of the exceptional things about you everybody is exceptional but um is that you are a visual artist uh, at first and of course it's not always easy to present visual artists in an interview because we can't see your work so i have to tell everyone who is listening do go to the show notes on the website there are two or three examples there but also click on the links there and that will bring you to other websites where much more of Hagen's um, work is being seen and will be shown there so important to do that well um Hagen um you are a real Berliner right you are you're a native from yes. your city of Berlin right yes so um Berlin has, of course, a long and interesting history in occultism and the history of its development, especially in the 19th and 20th century, even before, I would say. And but how did you become part of that history? So how um, what happened to Little Hagen uh, at first that he became maybe interested in, in all things esoteric and occult? And what did make you Hagen von Tullin that you are today um, initially? Where did it all start? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that there was always something inside me, a uh, kind of interest, a kind of being attracted to all these kind of how to say magical spiritual otherworldly things and for me it was quite interesting to note that it was more a thing that was coming out of myself and was not uh, stimulated by other persons uh, or my surroundings my friends my parents and so for example my my parents they were they were not very spiritual or not not religious as, at all and mm -hmm. uh, they decided for example because in my youth this was quite common it was a usual procedure that every every baby got got his baptism or her baptism mm -hmm. uh, when uh, in, in times when they were really a baby and more or less unconsciousness of what is happening to them sure. during a baptism and my uh, my parents always said no we did not uh, we have not done this with you because we want you to decide by yourself if you want ah, okay. this kind of thing or not. And I always, and you know, I, I always appreciate, appreciated this, that really a lot, yeah, because I said, yeah, it must be your decision, all mm -hmm. kinds of spirituality and stuff like this. And yeah, they were not really interested. And so there were some things with my mother. She had some, some things like, I don't know how to say, uh, a little bit of telepathic, uh, um, or healing abilities or stuff like this, but she was mm -hmm. not really aware of it. She was more a kind of natural person doing this, especially in my youth, very natural. But I was always interested in, in these kind of things. There were a lot of, of, of interesting episodes, but it would be, I would be going too far when I, when I would uh, tell about all these, these stuff from my, from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And, But, But you're think, from West Berlin, right? I'm from you're West Berlin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I was yeah. always mm -hmm. in the in this island, in this capitalistic right. island there. Yeah, and mm -hmm. this was very open there, and because uh, West Berlin was it was very open-minded because at uh, at this time it must have been very 
yeah, it must have been an attractive part, an attractive part of Germany, an attractive city, because of all the restriction with traveling around. Yeah, there was a wall around. It was not possible to travel only in the first years, uh, only by by train, uh, by airplane, and later mm -hmm. it was able, we were able to go by by car or by train across the borders. And so they made uh, they made uh, the city very attractive, and it also attracted a lot of interesting people there. And so uh, for me, it was very interesting because I remember very well when I was about 12 or so, I was, I was quite, became quite interested in, in yoga and all these things uh, that were, yeah, with, that were coming together with this stuff because you must, you must, you should see it was, uh, Yeah, the end of the, the hippie area and all these hippie stuff was still around in Berlin and all these things that these hippies brought from India, for example, uh, gurus and uh, artwork and techniques and all this stuff and spiritual beliefs. And so this was was very present in my youth. Yeah? And so mm -hmm. I think it was quite unusual when I was comparing this with my, with my, with my, with my friends at this time that I became very much interested in yoga at the, uh, at the age okay. of 12. And it was, I was the only one there, and no other of my friends were interested. So I went I'm to the. I'm sure that's, that's <laughs> unusual. <at 12. laughs> yeah. yes. May I ask what year you were born? Pardon? Which year were you born? Uh, when, the, when the wall was built in 61. Ah, uh, 61. Okay. So yeah, one so. year younger than me. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it was all this, this stuff was around and I became quite interested in, in what is this, this is yoga, what is this, this is Indian gurus and so. So I went into the local library, which was not very far away from, from the place where I was living and got all these books about yoga and started to practicing the asana, also all the postures and, and the breathing exercises. It was really impressive um, uh, for me, especially when I was studying these, these breath, breathing techniques because it said, yeah, um, breath is life and if you can control and your breath you will be able to heal yourself and even uh, you will be able to live long and very very healthy and so it was yeah it was very impressive it really impressed me a lot and it's still it's still very much present for me uh, did you see at the time an effect on yourself when you were that young did you feel yeah yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was really, i was really became conscious and i was uh, about my my breathing because Uh, yeah, it was said. Yeah, flat and and fast breathing only through the through the ribs. It's 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 uh, it's not so not so healthy uh, all the time in special situations. Yeah, but all the time. But concentrate more on the belly. Have a calm and deep breathing. And so yeah. so I was checking all this out, and I was really feeling. Oh, I'm get relaxed. I get. Uh, yeah, it, it, I feel much more comfortable and all this stuff and it was really impressive and I still I'm still doing all this yoga stuff uh, up till today and mm -hmm. it's never left me and yeah. so I, and f just starting with with the, with the usual asana postures and the breathing techniques and meditation techniques I always get interested yeah what what is behind all this stuff yeah. so I, yeah. I went again to the libraries and I checked out uh, the Indian systems of spirituality and belief and Hinduism was at, at my young age was quite a little bit too complex for me with all mm -hmm. these amounts of gods and goddesses <laughs> and nowadays I, I, I understood a little bit more better yeah, all this yeah. uh, complexity and how it could be reduced and everything but for, in my younger age I, was, I became more attracted to Buddhism mm -hmm. and uh, I was yeah I was really studying a lot of Buddhism you really in this early age already 
and the Mahayana Buddhismus and this kind of stuff and everything I could find. Yeah, and then later on, I, because at this time I also started to to uh, to draw a lot, to paint a lot, to mm-hmm. uh, much more than I that I did for for the for for the. Uh, beginning of my life and I really felt a little bit already like an artist and in, in school I became the best the best uh, drawer best painter in, mm-hmm. in the whole school they, they, I got my own exhibitions there and uh, okay. so there was quite a talent there and my, my art teacher really really um, yeah he helped me a lot uh, along my way and he supported me a lot uh, doing all this stuff. Yeah, and, and doing all these art things and these, these meditation things, yoga things, I became quite interested in surrealism. And uh, right. surrealism also for me had some, yeah, some very magical components. Mm-hmm. And, may, yeah. may I ask you about this? Because surrealism, and I don't think everybody who is... Uh, He's, who is interested in the in the occult um, is aware of that, but surrealism has played an important part in the development in the early 19th century of occultism in in Europe. Could you do you can you explain why you think that is? What is so special about surrealism that it refers to the occult? And then we go continue with your life then. But, but yeah. just for that little little. That's only my, my personal impressions. Uh, I found out that that uh, a lot of these uh, founders of surrealism, these artists, they also were attracted to magical mm-hmm. stuff and they used yeah. techniques like automatic drawing or atom automatic writings and and they were looking for for their own. They were using techniques to to look into other dimensions or other areas of their of their consciousness of their subconsciousness and to bring these uh, visions these impressions uh, uh, into yeah in some kind of way into into life through their artwork mm-hmm. for example one one guy who one artist who impressed me a lot was of course Salvador, Salvador Dali and sure yeah. yeah and he was also a kind of magician in his special kind of way yeah and he also did created his own tarot deck and stuff like this and yeah and uh, and he had his special uh, very special kind of approach to it and so at this time i was not so very much aware of the of the magical side of surrealism mm-hmm. i i have to say it was okay it became much more clearer afterwards when i when i became much more involved in with all this magic and occult stuff but it was quite an influence at this time around yeah, now we are talking about 15 16 stuff mm-hmm. like this yeah and then getting a little bit older and uh, as i said before berlin was a really was really high life there it was not limited and when I got into my 18s. I was very much interested to go out to meet interesting people and doing my, uh, yeah, my kind of experiences. And then, uh, yeah, with magic, it started uh, around when I was at the beginning of my 20s, I would say. Because at this time, a friend of mine, he was moving into in an apartment how to say in English, a Wohngemeinschaft, community mm-hmm, living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but 
several people living in a, in a common apartment sharing. I don't know the term exactly, but I, I think mean, neither. It was in we'll German. understand what we mean. <laughs> yeah, it was very popular in the, at this time. Yeah. Uh, WG, Wohngemeinschaft. And a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, he moved into one of these. And uh, with, I don't know, three or four people living there in a large apartment. And uh, we always met there and uh, hanging around. And I, I also learned the other guys who were living there. And there was one guy who was the main owner of the apartment. He was a little bit older than us. And he always had these books lying around there in his room yeah. where we had all success. As you know, there were these There were totally black books, yeah. And right. uh, at this moment, I was not aware, but it was from Tchaikovsky. It was Tchaikovsky uh, was a German publisher doing all kind mm -hmm. of cool stuff, mainly the old stuff, and also Fraternita right. Saturni stuff. And these I books were like the Grosche, the Grosche books, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eugen yeah. Grosche and Gregor yeah, Gregorius, yeah. and, yeah, and also yeah. Alistair Crowley books and all this stuff was they were lying mm -hmm. around. And sometimes when we were there having a good time, I. Uh, We were looking at this book saying, oh, what is this? Quite interesting. I don't understand anything, but it looks quite interesting. And mm -hmm. then this guy here also had the, the book of Todd there from Alistair Crowley. And also he had the tarot cards there, the, the Todd tarot. And for me as an artist, uh, as one who was as a person who was doing art, I was I became quite interested in, in the tarot card deck. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. They are, as we know, they are really, really beautiful. Later, Frida Harris, Lady Frida Harris did a really excellent job painting all these tarot cards. So, I, so we played around, um, my friend and I, we played around uh, doing some tarot sessions and I became quite interested in, in the symbolism of the cards and then I decided okay let's I will get me a, a pack of tarots uh, tarot cards just for my for, for my art, artistic inspiration so I went into this bookshop in Berlin uh, uh, was, there was a very old bookshop uh, run by Shikovsky the father and then later the, the son and oh, really the, by the editor who published all those yeah books. exactly yeah. oh right he, right. Had, this, he had this publishing company uh, his Shikovsky flag and he also he had a very a long-standing uh, uh, occult bookshop where also after the, the, the Second World War, uh, members of the Fraternitas Sertoni were giving some lectures and talks and stuff like right. this, which I heard later. And he, so the, the owner, he, he met all these guys uh, personally after the war. And so it was quite interesting. I went into, this, into the shop and I bought a deck of tarot cards, cards the Todd Tarot, went home and I went to the cards and got really quite interested. There was a little booklet with, which explained a little bit. And so I said, okay, I want to know more about these cards. And it's just not just like I had intended to buy these cards for my, for my inspiration, for my artistic mm -hmm. inspiration, but I became so attracted that I wanted to know more. So, Immediately the next day, I went again to the shop and book and bought the book of Todd. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then I was I was starting to read this book, and I I must say I understand I understood nothing at all. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> It's quite everybody who started uh, Scrolly can understand this very well. I would say it was quite complex, mm -hmm. self-referring to all these others' books and everything. So yeah, he was quite successful because then I went nearly every week. I went to this bookshop and <laughs> bought books and books and books again. Yeah, yeah, Zhukovsky was happy about you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, and and so so, but did you use the tarot also already at that time? Did you use the cards as as a divinatory 
means or did you just use them as imagery for your inspiration? And of course, it was I, it was intended intended as I use it for inspiration. But when I started to get so much interested in what they are meaning and I'm when buying the book and all, I of course use them for for divinatory yeah. meanings. Yeah, sure. 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 This was, sure. of, of course, yeah. But then it was became it, it was very interesting because uh, from I came to other books uh, written by Crowley because he, he was referring to these books in his book of Todd in his book Todd, mm -hmm. and then I started to buy this this Golden Dawn stuff because this is where he was coming from, and and he and so, and so I was a very good client in this in this bookshop. Yeah, buying nearly yeah. every week a lot of uh, stack yeah. books there. Yeah. And later, when I became elder, a little bit, two, one or two years after this, uh, I discovered another bookshop in Berlin. And uh, yeah, yeah. And later on, I also worked in this other bookshop there. Yeah. All right. So you so really got involved in that. Yeah, yeah. But that during all the time already, you were studying arts and 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 starting to work as an artist, right? That was your path from the beginning, right? Yeah, I was doing art, but I I was not studying art at this moment. I was studying uh, other stuff. Uh, yeah, it was a time. Uh, My parents they advised me, yeah, you should maybe not studying artwork and do something which is much more yeah, stable, solid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was young. I said, oh, okay, I will, I, will, I will just start studying and I'm doing all. Anyway, I'm doing my stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was have gone through that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very usual. So I was doing... Uh, art by myself and I became more and more interested in all this, this magical stuff and when and when I was working at this bookshop I was uh, at university at this time so it was not mm -hmm. a full-time job it's a, it's a bookshop but it was quite interesting because one of uh, the guys who was working in this bookshop he was a former member of the Fraternita Sartoni okay and um When I met him, when I first met him, he was wearing the ring of the of the brotherhood, and uh, and we talked really a lot uh, together. And uh, and with this guy, um, uh, I joined I joined a magical working group that he was uh, was that he was uh, offering to to some selected persons. Uh, uh, of his uh, circle of friends, and yeah, and then. I also with my with my own friends and my surroundings, it started also that we are coming together, doing some magical experiments and doing some rituals and all this stuff. And do, uh, through the bookshop and through this guy who later owns the bookshop, and when I met him, he was only an employee in this bookshop, and later he he was the owner of the bookshop. Mm -hmm. And because of his connections to the Fraternitas Atoni, I learned. Uh, Uh, the former growing grandmaster of the fraternitas uh, Tony and came to know other members of this time and mm -hmm. it was you know it was it's, the bookshop was uh, it was the times before the internet and such a bookshop in of the town course, was, yes. was the meeting place for all the things magical in in a city like Berlin yeah and Berlin at the time that brings me a bit back to the very first uh, minutes when we spoke here uh, when I said Berlin had been a focal point historically but also at that time I think Berlin was in the early 80s a very active place in the occult 
Yeah, uh, it was quite active. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, as I said, in this in this bookshop, this was really a, a meeting point because it was in the beginning. It was quite easy. It was people were just coming, were chatting a long time. We were drinking tea together on coffee mm -hmm. and having a good time. And it was not so much business <laughs> at this time. It was more socializing yeah. and stuff like this. And later, when times become harder, the owner said, "Yeah, we have to. Yeah, don't talk too much. Yeah, we have to. Uh, we have our business. We have to." To, uh, have to earn some money yeah yeah but yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, totally understandable no? but sure sure time it was really great and every time that uh, when one person was uh, entering the bookshop and uh, went into the it was not only a magical bookshop yeah it was because to make mm -hmm. a living out of you have to uh, they were offering everything this was on the market yeah okay from new age to this and this and shamanism yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. there was one yeah. corner there was uh, one big shelf with magic yeah, in one corner and every person who went into this corner to this shelf i was very to get very much interested in approach them <laughs> so but the if i understand you well the saturnian movement so to speak uh, you were rather quickly attracted to that to that direction or were there other steps before did, did you also go through a phase of chaos magic or am i wrong no 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 it was uh, at this time it was Uh, as I said before, these these publications about, uh, of Crowley works were very Crowley, much around. Well, yeah. Crowley translation at this time, my English was not yeah. not so good, of course. Yeah. Mm. Uh, at this time in Berlin, uh, nobody was really speaking English like nowadays. Yeah. It was a different time. It, everybody was sure. speaking German there, yeah, and not very much English books available at this time. Yeah. And mm. So, but uh, there were a lot of, of of brand new translations in, into German, very badly produced books. Yeah, which were falling apart after reading it two times or stuff like this. <laughs> not like today like today nowadays with all these talismanic books and stuff like this these were really cheap paperbacks but we were happy that we had this stuff in german there yeah and this was mm. most important and this was one influence all this ceramic stuff crowley stuff golden dawn stuff but also the the more traditional german western stuff like uh, the stuff which was coming from the fraternity Saturnia, yeah? mm. uh, like gregorius spiesberger and all this other stuff this was also right. this was was always around me and I was growing up with this with also with this, this Saturnian mm -hmm. writings because they were so easily available at this time to me and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, and I also as I said I, I connected to these people there and also uh, already applied to, to, to membership but at this time uh, the membership in Berlin of the Fraternitas Saturni was very reduced. There were only two people at this moment. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. this, and they were doing their stuff. And I said, okay, they are nice people. But yeah, um, and, and I, I asked, what should I do for when I want to become a member? And one of these people said, yeah, you must uh, study for one year astrology and Kabbalah and I said okay uh, I just studied for the last two or three years Alistair Crowley and so of course I studied a lot of Kabbalah and I did this a lot and I must confess that astrology was never my 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 main point of interest I tried mm -hmm. uh, I tried to uh, yeah I studied also a little bit but it was never I was never quite attracted to to astrology Right. So I said, okay, yeah, that's not not so interesting to me. Yeah, in the Fraternita Saturni, I I was young. I wanted to connect with a lot of people, and so 
only two people there and yeah, studying astrology and so. But there was, as you rightly said, there was uh, so many other stuff going around at this time. For example, my I had this group with my friends. I had uh, I was in the study group with this guy from from this bookshop, with this former FS member. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also we went to other groups. For example, uh, the Rosicrucian group Armorg was very active at this time. They were doing yeah, some sure. interesting meetings there. And also we went there and got connected there. And in this bookshop, I also learned, uh, I also came into contact with, with members of the OTO in Berlin. And mm -hmm. the, the OTO was quite, quite active at this time and with a lot of members. And uh, so there was one guy there, uh, Markus Junkot, who was very, yeah, in a quite, quite prominent position in the OTO at this time. And he was a very interesting guy. Was this kind of the old, so to speak, OTO, the old traditional OTO, which came out of Berlin Royce and Company, or was this already the young branch having come over from? No, no, it was the, the Caliphate. Uh, the OTO. Caliphate branch, yes. Yeah, okay. the Caliphate, so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this guy, Markus Junkut, he was uh, a member before. In a, there was in Berlin also another group called Abtei Telema with a guy called uh, Michael de Escher. And he was also yes, a yes. strange guy. Somehow. Strange personality. Yeah, yeah he, he died a few years ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah And yeah. he was in the media because he was living in a kind of community with other magicians in a small house. And uh, they were appearing on television and there. And people looked, ah, this is a kind of sect or so. But they did exactly. some good job, yeah, because they were translating all these Crowley materials. Exactly. I, and he wrote two or three interest, rather interesting books, yeah, that guy yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as we know, yeah, as a magician in, in a society, it's always a little bit uh, especially if you're going prominent and going to the media yeah and yeah and this yeah. was also this time uh, when when the media were not, uh, yeah we're we're approaching all these things in a, in a quite different kind of way i have also my collection of 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 magazines and stuff like this from this time we always oh satanism and magic and stuff like this it was more a sensational approach it was not a serious approach from the media it was always a kind of sensational yeah, approach. yeah it was also the time when the sun temple broke yeah. down in 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 switzerland and mm -hmm. and yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so uh, and so this guy from the marcus Junkot from the from the caliphate oto he was a former member of this uh, other salami groups this yeah it was a kind of free group yeah mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. was this kind of guru michael eschner and these people around him but then uh um, Markus Junkot, he was the second guy after um, Michael Escher. He went to the Caliphate OTO and I met him through the bookshop because this was a meeting point. Yeah, and sure. uh, it was quite interesting to talk with him. And yeah, we, we really had long talks and uh, very interesting. I was also happy to, to find a person who was very, very, very versed in all these matters uh, regarding Alistair Crowley and Selema, which was really. Yeah, which I have studied for, for several years. And so he invited me to meetings. And so it, so it came that I, I joined also the OTO at this time because it was a large group of interesting people, nearly 20 people or so, and mm -hmm. doing a lot of stuff regularly. But um, at the same time, I came across a book in, in this bookshop um, where I was always also working, uh, a book by which was translated by by Frater Ud Ralf Dichtmeier. Ah, yeah. The first well, book that yes. he published in his uh, in his Edition Magus in his publishing company. Sure, who was with us on the show here a few weeks ago? Just Excellent people. Yeah. yeah, I can always recommend listening to this. Yeah, Ralf <laughs> is always yeah, a great, great pleasure to listen. <laughs> 
Ja. So, I, I found this book, which was called Lieber Null, translated by Ralph mm -hmm. and published by Ralph, and this really impressed me a lot. This was really, this was the beginning of Chaos Magic. This was a book which started Chaos Magic at all, Lieber Null. Absolutely, it was Peter Carroll's book, right? Peter Carroll, Pete, Pete Carroll, and, and so this guy uh, from the bookshop, the former FS member, he also traveled, he told me that he traveled to England, he contacted the, the people there, and uh, he met Ray Sherwin, and uh, I don't know, I I think he don't met Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was in India at this time, I guess. But he met Ray Sherwin and he also wanted to join the IoT, the Illuminates of Sanateros. And mm -hmm. so it, I was really interested. But uh, Chaos Magic, there was nothing around at this time, really, in, in Berlin. Berlin. In Berlin mm -hmm. was nothing. In other mm -hmm. places. And Uh, but I was so interested and I, I checked out at this time before the internet, you had only magazines and other stuff, but we had also a quite good information structure. Mm -hmm. So I, I planned to, to join also to join the IOT, but then at this time the, I, there was this, this ice magic war going on. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you also heard about <laughs> our beloved Frater UD was in the middle of that, wasn't he? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. Maybe can you just give two lines to the people who don't know about the ice magic war just know what we are talking about here yeah it's it's a quite a complex story i was not there so i can't uh, really yeah. tell uh, exactly what was going on i also has yeah. my has my second hand information uh, it was as you can check out in the internet if you do some research uh, the iot was very popular um, the chaos magic order of the illuminates of the Anateros. Uh, pete carroll was was uh, the leader of it and for for the german speaking countries it was frater ud uh, mm -hmm. ralf techtmeier he was there very prominent and uh, somehow ralph came into contact with another guy a kind of martial art uh, guy and Through this connection, he connected to a kind of magic, which Ralph later termed ice magic. And then mm -hmm. there, and he, as far as I know, he promoted this in the IoT, but Pete Carroll was not a really a friend of this. And there started a conflict between Pete Carroll and mm -hmm. uh, Ralph Techtmeier. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this, became what is now nowadays termed in in the magical occult history as the ice magic war <laughs> so which is a kind of ridiculous name but it, it was very famous at the time yeah yeah, yeah. and a lot of yeah. story if you're if you're googling on the net you could you can find yeah. a lot of, of reports about this and if i'm not completely wrong ice magic is going to be re reissued now uh, by Teon Publishing soon, I believe. So, yeah, Ralph so. told me that it will be a translation of English yeah, and absolutely. it will be uh, published in the original German form. Mm -hmm. And also in the translation, yeah, it could exactly. be interesting because the German, the wording of the German version, it's quite special, how to say. It's yeah. not usual German. It's, it's definitely. It's, it's so quite. it'll be interesting to have that in English and also for our English audience to find out about that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so this was the, the, the point in, in time when I wanted to join the IoT and, but there was this, this ice conflict going on at this moment. So, so I thought, no, maybe it's not, not quite the best time to join mm -hmm. this order now. Yeah. When there is, uh, when there's so much conflict going on at the moment. So I had to wait again and again. And then I found out, yeah, it looks like the conflict is over. And I contacted the order and because of this, what always was, what was happening before, there was not so much going on in, in Germany. 
regarding uh, Chaos Magic and the IoT. And so I came into contact with, with Austria and they put me and brought me in contact with, with a person in Hannover and this was my only contact there. And, but I also did my, 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 uh, application program, my half year of Liber MMM, my working program. And mm-hmm. after half a year, I became initiated. I formed my own group of, of chaos magic, my own, my own working group for chaos magicians in Berlin. And so, yeah, at first I got initiated and then later I initiated, uh, the people in Berlin and, uh, I tried to connect with other chaos magicians in, in Germany, but there were only a handful of them still active and wanted to continue with chaos magic. But I, I, I was thinking to bring them together and, um, yeah. And then I, I went to the first international meeting uh, of the IOT at this time. They had, uh, annual meetings in, in summertime, uh, at, and my first meeting was at an old castle in Austria. And that was the castle in the south of Vienna and is a place. So, um, yes, I know exactly which one you mean. Yes. Lockenhaus. Burg <laughs> Lockenhaus. There you are. It's there called Burg Lockenhaus, which has a oh, quite God. interesting yeah. history because they said it was an old Templar castle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a special ritual room where they said there was a golden idol of Baphomet standing there in former times. But okay. also it was a castle where, where Countess Bessery were living for Absolutely. Some the famous Countess Bessery. And Countess also, uh, uh, it is said, I don't know if it's true, but in the late 19th uh, in the late 18th century when Freemasonry had been forbidden after Mozart's time uh, again in the Austrian Empire that there were secret Masonry meetings also held in Lockenhaus. Who knows? Yeah, so this was a really, really interesting place when I heard about this. And then there was a yes. the meeting of the chaos magicians, the international meeting with, with chaos magicians from all over the world. And I really was looking forward to go to this meeting. So me and my group from Berlin, we, we traveled by car down to the south, to, to, to Austria. And then we, we came to this castle and we entered the, the, the yard of the castle and, and all these chaos magicians were there. And they said, oh, 30 people dressed in black, having a lot of of fun and oh, this must be my kind of place here <laughs> and then we started to have a really good time there yeah and had several meetings at this very fantastic castle uh, annually so this was and i became quite active in, in chaos ma- in magic because as i said um, there was not very much going on otherwise in, in the german in, in the in, in germany so i brought all these uh people who were showing in still some interest in, in, in the order. I brought them together. I, I initiated new people. And after some years, I became the section head of, of Germany because mm-hmm. I rebuilt it somehow, uh, the section. And yeah, and it was, I was quite, quite active during the, the whole of the nineties. In chaos magic, and for me, chaos magic it was it was a very very important part, yeah, for my for my personal magical development, and it's still it's still with me, yeah, and it it was mm-hmm. so impressive and it's so effective to me, and it's but later on I I went into other other parts, I, I uh, of uh, into other areas of magic that I studied e- even more. I followed some interests that were that were. Uh, 
with me since the eighties already. Yeah. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. magic and the art. I find this always a highly interesting uh, subject because, well, probably also because I am partly an artist. Also, I'm a musician and um, I think uh, it is always very interesting how magic and the arts in all its forms, performing, etc., are related. I believe there is a strong link between the two and magic is art and art is magic. Don't you think so? And I think Hagen agreed also. Highly interesting topics to discuss with him. Uh, now let's take a little break and we, as promised, will hear some music, some music by Frat Ref. Uh, Frat Ref, whose music is also very mystical, very highly artistic in the sense of the occult. Um, and today's piece we are going to hear now is called Layil. I hope I pronounced that correctly. L-A-Y-I-L. Layil. That's what I understand. And um, yes, well, I just can only say um, enjoy the piece. It's lovely.
Lajil, a piece by Frater F., who has been several times already our musical guest on this show. And I'm sure it was not the last time we will hear another piece by him just after the second half of the interview, which we're going to hear now, the interview with our guest Hagen von Tullien. Before I return you back to him, I want to point out something that we are going to discuss at the end of that interview. And this is his new work, his new printed work, his new book that is in pre-order phase at the very moment while we speak. And it's a wonderful world. I don't know how to pronounce that really probably. He does it in the piece, in, in the interview much better. Le Bagat Chnemur, I would say Lieber BT for those who are like be unable to pronounce it properly. Lieber BT has been released or will be released those days by Chaos books, another lovely editor who does wonderful art books, I must say, artworks really. And Hagen has uh, produced here a Livre Noir and Livre Rouge, a black book and a red book in beautiful composition with with his work. And well, why I'm pointing this out now, it's that the uh, copy can be ordered now. The pre-order ends in a very few days. It's today, Sunday, 17th of May, when we release that. It'll be only four or five days left now while we speak. So if you're interested, go on the Thought Hermes website. You'll find a link on the show notes at the bottom of the show notes with even some images of the book. And you should absolutely go there and have a look. And if you're interested, order that book quickly. Right, I wanted to say that because some of you might at the end not listen to my outro moderation and I wanted to make sure you got that info in time and then when Hagen talks about the book towards the end of the interview, you will all already know what it's all about. Okay, so now let's return to Hagen and before that I'll just let you know that as always, immediately after the interview, you will have a third piece of music, as I said, again, by our Frater F. And the third piece is called Mercury. And now back to Berlin and Hagen von Tullien. How did um, magic until then, and maybe later on that changed, but how did magic until then um influence your art how was that exchange between magic and the occult on one side and your artistic work on the other side did that happen automatically or did you do that consciously well how does that work yeah it's um i must say during the 90s when i was involved into chaos magic i was also doing a lot of uh, magical artwork but at this time it was also the how to say it was a time when the internet and computers were becoming more and more popular computers mm -hmm. were able to do and more and more things also mm -hmm. in graphical ways yes. you know as an artist when i started with my first computer it was really <laughs> having an 
ein Needle Printer, was with eight needles or so. Yeah, oh my God, yes, yes. And it was yeah. not, also von Artis, it was, it was horrible, yeah, to do something. Eight like was already high tech, eight needles. The seven <laughs> needles were first and then finally the eight ones came, yes. You know, when you compare this to, to, to nowadays, what you could, could always do with a computer now and. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. but it's this time. So I was in the 90s, I was, I was doing a lot of layout stuff. I was doing a lot of, I was styling a lot of, of internal public for the IoT, for example, and I also uh, was the editor of the last three issues of of, uh, of a German magical magazine called Anubis. Oh, right. You were in that as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, me and, and the other people in Berlin of my mm -hmm. group, yeah, mm -hmm. because it was also, it was formed by, by Ralf, yeah, the first, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. published by Ralf, and it mm -hmm. was the idea that the, 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 the publisher are changing from, for, from time to time. So he did the first issues, then it went to other people. It was also in Austria at some time. It was mm -hmm. published in Austria. And when, it, when I was a member of the IoT, the, the, and the people in Austria, they found out that I'm an artist and that I'm doing some graphic stuff a lot. And they were asking me, yeah, do you want to continue with Anubis with a magazine? And I said, yeah, of course. Yeah. I asked my other uh, people around me and said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And at one point we, we, we get all the stuff from, from Vienna. Yeah. All these okay. boxes with all the old issues and all this stuff. Yeah. And we were continuing, but only for, 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 for three issues. And then we had to say, now we are stopping because it was, the period where everything was changing where where the internet became much more popular and it was yeah. not so easy to to sell magazines they were mm -hmm. a prominent part of information exchange during the 80s the beginning of the 90s but with the with the rising technologies of of uh, computer and especially the internet and the information exchange through internet uh Yeah, it's, it was, yeah, we decided, yeah, it makes no more sense to, to publish this, this magazine. Sure, yeah. sure. It also was a financial stuff. Yeah. Because you cannot do a lot of, put a lot mm -hmm. of work into it and then sell only, I don't know, 20 issues or so. No? Yeah. 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 But the, the, the chaos magic period then came to an end at some point for you or, or and I would not say that the chaos magic period came to an end. I was very involved into the IoT uh, in the order of the IoT, but mm -hmm. at the, uh, around the, the turn of the millennium, I, I said I decided no, I, I I have to go otherwise outside of the order. Not that I wanted to to kid with chaos magic, but I was mm -hmm. not so much interested in what was going on inside of the IoT at this time, yeah. especially in Berlin at this time maybe. And I said no, it's yeah. I, I have to go other ways now, no? Mm -hmm. And I do my um, since then I'm doing my own chaos magic, my my personal chaos magic. I, and uh, but I was wandering around. Uh, you know, uh, chaos magic is. Uh, uh, it was in the beginning. It was uh, mainly to to look what are the core principles of magic. What are the core techniques of magic? Yes. And uh, chaos magic was quite successful in doing this. And uh, so for me, I, I've got the, I have, this was a really great magical, how to say, training and education that I received uh, in the IoT and, and during my chaos magic times uh, in the IoT. And armed with this knowledge and armed with this, with, uh, with the know-how, how to, how to deal and how to handle magic and uh, approaches to magic, I was... Uh, 
very well equipped to do my researches into other fields of magic, into other areas, to delve more deeper into other areas. Mm -hmm. And so um, shortly after the, 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 the millennium, uh, I've got much more involved again with the Fraternitas Atoni, with the Saturnian current, mm -hmm. and also with the Voodoo Gnostic current. And these oh, were, really? mm -hmm. yeah, these were always things that were always around with me. As I said before, uh, I met these people uh, from the Fraternitas Saturni and already in the eighties, I applied for membership already there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was young. I wanted to meet a lot of people. I wanted to have a good time. Want, wanted to meet very, yeah, I was young. I wanted to learn from others. Yeah. yeah. And so the IOT was a, was a very, very good area. Yeah. Because yeah, especially young and the, fresh. And yeah. But also, but, but there were also, also people who were 20 years older than me there. And I mm -hmm. was really impressed what they were doing there. And when we mm -hmm. came together at these meetings, it was always great to meet uh, such a diversity of, of interesting mm -hmm. people. Yeah. That I met mm -hmm. there. Yeah. For example, mm -hmm. Ramsey Dukes. Uh, I don't know if you, yeah, you know him now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Everybody should know Ramsey Dukes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I, think so. yeah, and yeah. I met him several times there at, uh, also at Lockenhaus first and in other, and it was always a pleasure to talk with him. And also Nick Hall, Nick Hall, he only published one book, uh, Chaos and Sorcery. And mm -hmm. then he disappeared. He was quite an impressive guy yeah, and was really happy okay. to, to meet him. Yeah. And to mm -hmm, work with mm -hmm, him. Mm -hmm. okay, yeah. And it was one of these guys. I always was happy to work with him and to not uh, have to work to, against him. Yeah. Against him. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was really happy. Guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and 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 then so you then finally became member of the Fraternity of Saturnian, right? At that point, yes, in yes. the early 2000s. Yes. I came, I came again into contact with the Saturnian current. I became a member of the Fraternity of Saturnian, and also at the same time, I looked uh, more for the for the voodoo gnostic stuff. Yeah, uh, because Is, are we talking about the Michel Bertio line or Michael or? Bertio? Yeah, 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 yeah. Bertio, Because mm -hmm. I always say Michel Bertio because I'm a French yeah, background. So yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. Sound, it sounds French, <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah, Michel Bertio, yeah, and I think yeah, Michael would yeah. like it. Yeah, if you tell, yeah, tell I think so. Yes. Michel, <laughs> it, uh, he likes it. He would like it. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, because. Uh, Yeah, when I was, uh, for example, when I was reading uh, Kenneth Grant in the in the beginning of the 90s, yeah, I, I came, yeah, I came into contact of, of the teachings and uh, the materials of of Michael Bertio, yeah, mm -hmm. like a lot of people at this time. Yeah? Sure, Kenneth Grant, people, the bridge, yes, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Many people heard of Michael Bertio through the books of Kenneth Grant. Yeah, Absolutely, this, yeah. But also the the first book, uh, the, the Wunonostic workbook, was published already in 1988. Mm -hmm. So it was not in the 90s, it was in the 80s when I was first reading about Michael Bertio. Okay. Exactly, because I was reading about it in, uh, in during the, the middle of the 80s or so in, in Kenneth Grant books. And then 1988, uh, the Voodoo Gnostic Workbook was published. Uh, as I said before, I was working in this bookshop and it was quite nice because uh, this guy, Michael, the former FF's member, mm -hmm. you remember, he also was very interested in uh, Selema and other kind of stuff and also in, into the English publications. And he mm -hmm. was the only uh, bookshop in Berlin who had uh, English books there because he was ordering them from Weiser, from here and from other publishers, ah, okay. from America, from Lebelin England. And, 
and so, yeah. Exactly, Llewellyn. And, yeah, so, and she yeah. was the only guy in, in, in Hall of Berlin who had English books of magic. And for me, <laughs> it was quite excellent, yeah, working mm. there. And I received the, uh, all the books that I bought there for, for quite a good discount there. And so I was always able to buy four books for the price of one book. Yeah, <laughs> ah, great. This was uh, yeah. how I, I was starting to build my own library because I was mm -hmm. able to buy so much stuff. And also how I started to, to read English a lot, yeah. And yeah. because I found out there's so, so much more interesting uh, material going on in, in the English, uh, in English book, in the English publications. Yes. And especially at this time, yeah. You must always have in mind it was before the internet, yeah. Uh, I have a question for you there. Yeah. Why do you think this is? I mean, I, I really like our talk today because when I created this podcast a bit over three years ago, one of the ideas was also that that tradition we are talking about here is coming out of Central Europe, a big part of it. Um, but nowadays, and that's a good thing, I'm not blaming anyone, but it's a good thing that lots of it is now being taken over by North America. And it, it, it's good that it happens because otherwise it might have died out with all that happened in the meantime in Europe, right? Uh, and also our audience here is 85% North American. Mm. Um, and so it's very nice here to talk about this Central European uh, um, uh, Uh, tradition and and to exchange on many things that we share and we have and i i hope also our audience will really like that because it's we don't speak a lot about that uh, in, in 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 normally here but why do you think this happened why do you think this tradition has uh, moved on so to speak uh, to be in big parts of north america why is the european continent at least or our parts of the world, the German-speaking world, nowadays rather slow in further development of, of, the, of the occult arts. Why, why do you think that happens? Oh, good question. <laughs> I don't know exactly. I, I would say spontaneously it's mainly a, a language kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. because it's not only North American, it's also uh, Great Britain, England. Yes, yes, that's uh, why I said continental Europe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because mm -hmm. there's, there's, uh, when you're publishing a book, a book, it was even there in the 80s or in, in the 90s, uh, if a book was published in English, uh, it reached so many much more people on the whole of the world mm. uh, in comparison to a German book, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's German, why we do this podcast in English. Finally. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. A yeah. German book was all, a book published in German language was only available for for people in Germany, Austria, and mm. Switzerland normally. Mm -hmm. But in England, an English book, yeah, yeah. When I when I went, for example, to Amsterdam, yeah, the bookshops they only had mostly English books for uh, mm -hmm. for example, yeah, and I was mm -hmm. able to find a lot of English magical books and the publishing market was was really much 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 more larger this was this was a kind of like it, it's nowadays yeah it was english public, uh, books published in english uh, could be distributed all over the world yeah it was already yeah. in, in former times yeah. so it was lingua franca now yes, yes exactly yes. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah and it was yeah. uh, so it so it was not only north america I, in my experience it was also a great many books came from england Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was doing some 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 trips with with Michael, the guy from the bookshop, to to London mm -hmm. uh, annually in, in the 80s, end of 80s. Yeah, we went to to London and to, we went to all these bookshops there. Yeah, Atlanta, Watkins, Treadwells. Treadwells was not there at, at this time. At the time, <laughs> not yet. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and what's what's um, the, the 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 big one next to 
next to the, the not it's a small one but very nice one the next to the what's its name next to the British Museum Atlantis Bookshop of Atlantis of course yes yeah, that's, that's probably a, already bought this good book, old yeah. traditional one exactly yeah I'm yeah. always fancy and I got a lot of interesting stuff there and in, in, yeah in North America it was the same yeah, they were mm -hmm. also yeah a lot of publishing houses where we're doing a lot of good stuff Weiser at this time was very yes, popular and absolutely they're doing mm -hmm. a lot of really good stuff there yeah mm -hmm. and yeah and Well, back to Berlin then. So you 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 had then joined Voodoo uh, Gnostics and and the Saturnian movement. And um, where did it go on from there? No, that's what I'm still doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I would consider myself, I would consider myself basically, yeah, as I, as, I, as I said, I'm coming from the, from the chaos magical background and uh, by heart, I am, I'm, my approach is basically a chaos magic approach mm -hmm. because I really like uh, this. Yeah. It's because it's not really a system. It's more kind of, of meta approach. Yeah. Uh, It is exactly not the system probably that's, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah, if if, if give you really uh, really really uh, strong tools, yeah, and mm -hmm. that you could use, and uh, yeah, and I would like to come back. To, you asked me about uh, about my art. I was yes, I was, please. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember that I have not finished this this, this line. Yeah, because in, during the 90s, I said I was very much involved uh, with uh, with the rising of the possibilities of of what you could do with a computer. So I was very yes. involved into in, in doing layout and stuff like this, and doing computer art and uh, exploring the possibilities. What these new uh, technologies can offer and uh, for me uh, quite there was quite a change uh, in my art uh, really a quite important uh, change when i became much more involved with the voodoo gnostic system yeah and this for me really changed a lot of my art because Uh, this was all the stuff that you that you can see now on the web now. The, this was, yeah, I would say, the initial the initial part uh, how I was doing such kind of work uh, came through my contact with yeah with the with the how to say with with the spirits uh, of the voodoo gnostic paradigm. Yeah, okay, for example, and and. Uh, The Runonostic system is, uh, especially for me as an artist, is so, so inspiring. And you can also see if you, when you look at Michael Bertio, for example, Michael Bertio is also an artist. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. an artist, uh, he, uh, a visual artist. He, uh, he's painting a lot of magical art and also his writings, in my opinions, are also his kind of, of artwork, how he expresses, how, how he expresses himself through his, his writings, is also a kind of art. Do you think that the Voodoo Gnostics is a particularly um, inspiring part of the occult world for artists? Or is, it, is, that, is that something that is very typical for you, yourself? Do you no, no, no. no. It's, I think a lot of people, uh, really, when I look at other people who are involved into this current, they are, they are, you find a lot of people who are doing mm -hmm. great artwork, who are very much inspired mm -hmm. by visual and art. What is, it, what is it in there that, that you think is inspiring so much? 
I don't know. I can't. I, I'm really still trying to figure it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but maybe it's it's these uh, very how to say uh, this very rough and very primal uh, expression of of the spiritual forces, which you can also find, for example, in the Haitian artwork. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Vevi, the, the, these 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 paintings from these Haitian artists. It's, it's kind of art brew or something like this. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. very raw, very primal, but very powerful also. And this is what also uh, Michael Bertio adopted. Yeah, and adapted mm-hmm. from from his context when he was also in Haiti, and uh, and. When I'm looking at uh, at the beginnings of the voodoo gnostic developments, how Michael Virtue expressed them and brought them into America during the 70s, and so there was always a very heavy influence of art in their work. For example, they were doing rituals, they were doing a lot of seances during this time. Uh, it's a yeah, there's a Hyde Park corner group in the 70s, and mm-hmm. during this works, Michael was always he got the the, the inspiration. Uh, doing these seances to to draw and to paint, for example, uh, maps and VVs and diagrams and stuff like this. And then afterwards, he got inspired to do large paintings. And then they were using these paintings for further magical work. They put this painting in the in the middle of their working room, and this was a kind of portal for them. This was a kind. Uh, it was a focus of their ritual. And so it was always prominent there, especially in the voodoo gnostic system, uh, to, to, to have arts there to work, to express, uh, these spiritual experiences or how do we want to call it in a kind of artistic way. This was always yeah. there from yeah. the beginning. And I think this is part of the voodoo gnostic current for me and also for other people who are open to this also can feel this. Yeah. Because a lot of people mm-hmm. in this current, they are, they are expressing themselves through art or they're expressing their experience and their visions through art. Right. But in general, would you think that, um, art and magic, to say it bluntly, maybe Mart and the occult have, don't they have in general many things in common? Um, isn't, isn't music and visual arts and other forms of art writing, etc. sometimes also a little bit of magic in it? Yeah, of course, of course, definitely. If you are looking back uh, in history, uh, I would say that, that art and magic were always connected, yeah? And I think so. Yes. If you don't know what exactly what what are these these paintings in the caves, for example, what they were for, but everybody is now shamanistic, shamanistic yeah, origin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this yeah. must be why they are painting uh, human figures with two horns there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah we wanted they, they wanted to have the power over the animals. So I don't know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, if you look at other. Uh, uh, magical lineages and shamanistic lineages. And so you, it's always a matter that, that art is connected with magic. Yeah? It's even if music, yeah, the, the ritual drums, for example, yeah, and shamanistic ceremonies and the rattles and all this stuff, yeah, and looking mm-hmm. to the aborigines with, with their didgeridoos and all this stuff. It's always for ceremonies, ceremonies and rituals. Music was always uh, played a 
prominent part yeah, it still plays yeah, yeah. and also the yeah. visual, visual depictions the symbols the sigils and uh, the, the bringing to earth of the visions and everything yeah so Absolutely. I think art and magic yeah they are very very deeply connected of and not only on a very rooty level I, I for my part I'm more from the musical and theater world that is my part of the arts world that's where I come from and I I have I have not started as early as you to realize what what really happened but I when I was in my mid 20s so I realized that my talent for theater and stuff had was kind of deeply rooted in the art, in the occult uh, or magical experience so but uh, I only found out later but it, I'm sure that's all linked that's why I was asking do you can you produce art by separating it from from your occult experience, uh, pragmatic art, so to speak, or is every artwork that you create related to your occult experience? At the moment, I'm only doing stuff that uh, I'm doing art that is related. Mm -hmm. But you can separate it technically. You could in your yeah, in your head in your no, you, maybe yeah. you don't want to. I understand. Yeah, I don't see the reason for it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want yeah. to do some decorational work or something yeah. like this. Yeah, it would be that then in that case. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's always it's always connected to me. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Hagen, what what are your upcoming plans? So I think uh, I've heard that you're doing producing a book together with Frater Ud. He said something like that. I think uh, in twenty one, right next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's already yeah. finished. Yeah, it was okay. a very nice book project. Frater Ud. He wrote some very very excellent Gnostic poems, mm -hmm. and I did some some uh, accompanying Gnostic illustrations, and I also layouted the whole book already and. Uh, yeah, we are just waiting. We, I think we have found a publisher, but he uh, is already, already full in his schedule for this year. And so he said, yeah. maybe if there's a, uh, there's a space in between that he could put this book into, he will uh, publish it before. But mm -hmm. then at least in 2001, I, I guess it will be on the, on the, on the schedule. Right. And uh, what else is there to expect from you in the future? Yeah, it's a moment. I must, I must promote my, my book, which is presently uh, uh, available. Uh, for yes, tell order. us. <laughs> Because <laughs> this is my, my kind of masterpiece. I've, this is a book of, uh, regarding, uh, uh, yeah, it's dealing with the Saturnian and especially the Voodoo Gnostic currents that I was working for the last years. I worked for six years on the book to finish it. Mm -hmm. And then it took uh, nearly four years uh, uh, till it was finished now by the publisher. So it's really a, really a kind of my personal masterpiece, which I really love a lot. And it's currently, right currently, it's available for, for pre-order now. No? Okay. So it's, it's the right moment that we talk about it. Yeah, what's, uh, the, what's the name of the book? Uh, the, the book is called Le Bagage Nemur. It's a quite, quite complicated title, but uh, in yes. short, it's Lieber BT. Lieber BT, okay. okay. And can you say a bit more about it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a kind of uh, voodoo Gnostic graphic grimoire. And mm -hmm. because it's nearly on every page, there is uh, a drawing, a painting, a sigil, and uh, it's expressed with several techniques. It's um, these are pencil drawings, 
um, paper cuts, uh, digital artwork, and also text by myself, uh, rituals and uh, other text. And it's basically separated into two uh into two parts one part mm -hmm. is uh livre noir the black book and the second part is livre rouge the, the red book and right. the black book deals primarily with uh uh with saturnian energies initiations approaches uh especially uh, the saturnian expression of the Gnostic current so it's all kind of Saturnian stuff because Saturn in, in this in, in 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 this context is he's a, the guardian of the threshold, der Hüter der Schwelle. As we say exactly yes. in the fraternity Saturn. He's the, mm -hmm. the traditional astrology. He uh, he was uh, the last known planet, and so it was always said, and it's still around there that he was the last. Uh, The last before, be the, uh, before the great beyond starts, the great void or the great chaos or, or the Urgrund or how do you want to call it? And yes. he was there at the frontier. He was there as a guardian there at the threshold uh, between this world as we know it and the, and the, all the other stuff beyond. And uh, so the first part deals with all these aspects of Saturn. And then, of course, the second part, the red book, uh, yeah, it deals with the part beyond, with the stellar magic, with the great old ones and all this stuff and okay well that that sounds fascinating so when when will it be available and where uh, it's it's currently available okay uh, Uh, it's published by the Society of Esoteric Endeavor and it's mm -hmm. uh, Ben Fernie is a publisher and he, he's doing an excellent work and uh, the last... They're doing great books, yes, that's yeah. Caduceus books, right? Caduceus is his yeah, uh, yeah. second-hand uh, book distribution and he has his own okay. publishing company, it's a Society uh -huh. of Esoteric Endeavor where uh -huh. he's publishing very limited and very highly uh, produced books and um, so... For example, he had the idea to normally you you know when you are when you are printing a book, a hardcover book, you are producing some metal dies, some metal plates where you're blocking the title or title design outside of the cover of the hardcover. Mm -hmm. And he had the idea to to use my 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 paper cuts, and uh, I did 25 paper cuts for the whole book, and he. Uh, produced metal dies out of these paper cuts and ah. he pressed the designs of the paper cut in silver foil on black or red silk and these silk plaques were incorporated into wow. the pages yeah and so you mm. even even feel uh, the, wow. the paper cuts because they are different there's the silver yes. foil on the silk <laughs> and so it's, it's quite an wow. aesthetic sensation good. yeah and for the for the deluxe deluxe edition Uh, he, he's the bookbinder. He created um, a slipcase, a clamshell case. It's mm -hmm. not a slipcase; it's a clamshell case because you can fold it. And in this case, there's incorporated one of these metal dies. So uh -huh. we have 25 uh, copies where there is. In each of these 25 uh, copies, there is one different metal die incorporated, one of the originals, yeah? Right. Kind of right. relief. It's a kind of bas relief, yeah? And uh, you can put it out. You can even use it uh, for to, to impress the design on some, <laughs> on some materials or stuff like this, yeah? And so uh, at the moment, it was announced only to, to the people who expressed before interest in this publication. Mm -hmm. Pre-order kind, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and but now, it, I don't know... 
of it's already out, but Ben told me that um, today he wanted to pr promote this on uh, in, for the rest of the public and not for, for them who expressed pr prior interest. Okay. And it must be now openly available for pre-order, but I think only for the next two weeks or so. And okay. then when the pre-order period is over, he knows exactly how many copies he must create. Don't and be left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. so, yeah, yeah. of course, it's a really heavy, uh, heavy uh, adventure, yeah. And he don't oh, want sure. to have some stock yeah. copies, yeah, because yeah, it's, sure. it's sure. really, really expensive to produce. And it's everybody, every every book is it's, it's handcrafted and stuff, yeah. And so it's not a matter for him to to have some stock of copies, course. yeah, yeah. So I'll make sure that it is in the show notes. But and please hurry up when you hear this, so. And you might get your copy still on that website that I will put the link on. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah, well, yeah. good to know. But uh, any other projects you would like to talk about? Uh, I think I'm. I'm will start uh, now uh, writing uh, another book. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still in the process, but I don't want to talk anything uh, at the moment. Uh, then other projects, it's, yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate because of the current times. Yeah, I was very starting to do a lot of workshops and uh, mm. seminars and stuff like this. Uh, yeah, I was there last, as you mentioned before, I was at our culture last year, at the yes. year before, but last year I was there with presenting some art work. Mm. I was presenting a workshop, giving a talk and, mm. and yeah, and I was in, invited uh, for, uh, for a conference, which should have happened uh, last month in, uh, Uh, in, in Stockholm, in Sweden, but it was, of course, it was, it was all pulled yeah. off. Yeah, I, 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 I think Peter Gray was also supposed to be there or somebody. Yeah. Conjuring Creativity, it is called. Uh, Gerald yes. Hudson yeah. was organizing this, and it's really a pity. It's, it's postponed, of course. Yeah, and also it was planned that I was going again to to Italy in. Yeah, in, in the next weekend, yeah, it was planned yeah, to go to Italy. The guy had rented a really nice house there outside of Bologna, and we wanted to do a weekend chaos magic seminar there. And yeah, it was would have been really nice there. Yeah, at the sure. Italy, it's, yeah, of course, it's also bad. postponed. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. I like lots of things at this time. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's really bad. pretty. It was really starting for me now to, to have some interesting mm -hmm. seminars. And also there was planned doing some, some high intensive seminars on Fuerteventura this summer, for example, okay. yeah, of mm -hmm. the Canary Islands and, Yeah, it's a pity. Everything is postponed at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, our culture 2020, I think, is still on, and it's only October. So let's hope that'll be yeah. that'll be normal. But but still, well, we we never know what's going to happen. That's yeah, we don't know at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. the organizers are still there on the other side of the earth. Yeah, they were still there in in Colombia. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, stuck yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for exactly. Parts of the organizers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 well, well, let's hope all will all will be all will be good. Well, Hagen, this was a very pleasant talk. As I said, I enjoyed it greatly, and I'm sure our audience did as well. It was some stuff they probably have never heard about because the European side of the occult world is not so well known uh, f as other parts of the world. And I'm glad we were able to speak about that. Thank you so much for your time. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. It was really a pleasure to have this talk with you. Thank you. And um, well, good luck with all your projects. And uh, thank you for the nice art you produce and, and all you do. Thank you very much. Have a nice have a nice rest of the evening and good luck for you and, and all your projects. Thanks a lot. It was really a pleasure. Bye now.
Mercury. Again, one of those wonderful musical pieces. Well, I find him wonderful by Frater F. And Frater F, he will be, as I pointed out before the interview, he'll be our interview guest in the next Ex Libris edition, where once we will not only speak about books, but also about music. Okay, friends and listeners, this was a great interview with Hagen, was it not? Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. He is a lovely guy and I hope you enjoyed just as much. Thank you, Hagen, for being our guest today. It was wonderful to have you in our company and good luck with all your upcoming ventures. This brings us already to the end of this week's show, believe it or not, and well, I have to say, normally in this place, I would now present to you the next show. Well, of course, there will be a show next week, uh, no doubt about that. But I'm not yet able to tell you who exactly will be the guest. I have some ideas in the reserve, but we've had some organizational problems here and there. Also, partly due to the fact that books have not appeared in time because the coronavirus has prevented that. So we had to change program a bit. I have not recorded all the interviews I wanted to do yet. And I don't like to announce interviews that I have not done yet. And I hope you understand that. So no worries. There will be a nice and pro a good program next week. No worries about that. But you will learn a bit later. Just go to the Facebook page, to the Twitter page or to the website, as I said earlier, and once it is known what's happening next week, you will find it there. In any case, what I can tell you is that in two weeks, we will have our next Ex Libris episode. And one of the items there will be Frater F's music, who we have again heard today. And of course, there will be other books and other friends who will be present. Right, so that was it for today. Once again, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the day with me and I hope you'll be back next week when I will welcome you again on the Thoughts Hermit podcast. But for today, what only remains to say is take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.